Welcome to Balance and Beyond, the podcast for ambitious women who refuse to accept burnout as the price of success. Here, we're committed to empowering you with the tools and strategies you need to achieve true balance, where your career, relationships, and health all thrive, and where you have the power to define success on your own terms. I honor the space you've created for yourself today. So take a breath and let's dive right in. Welcome to the last two episodes of the Balance and Beyond podcast. And this is going to be a two-parter. So today and next week, Jacqueline and I are going to be sharing with you each our top takeaways for the year. It's been a big year for both of us on many levels, and this becomes a beautiful opportunity for us to really share what is some of that wisdom that we have gained. Jacqueline, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. We've learned a lot this past year and we can't wait to share those golden nuggets with you. Absolutely. So we're going to do three each. And in this first episode, I'm going to share with you mine and will tack because uh, given Jacqueline and I are in close proximity to each other, there's going to be many. Uh, I know that I have learned all her lessons as well, and I'm sure she has learned all of mine. So that becomes a, a beautiful chance for us to share uh, and stack on each other's learnings. So my biggest lesson for the year, and this has probably come across in some earlier podcasts, is that I have learned to trust my intuition. It's a big one, isn't it, Jacqueline? The word intuition. Mm, yes, there's a big definition to that one, I suppose, but learning to trust your intuition changes everything. <laughs> it does, it does. And that's what it has for me. So everyone has different definitions of intuition, but from where I stand, I consider intuition to be that inner voice, that inner wisdom, that deep knowing, that gut instinct where there's a voice inside of me and in my case mine comes almost through a feeling that says you need to do this or you need to look this way. And it's been something that I had a lot as a kid but for a number of years I lost access to that intuition because I spent a lot of time in my head I felt like I had to rationalize everything. Everything had to make sense. And as I've gone on this personal development and spiritual journey a lot over the last couple of years, I've realized that many things in life don't make sense, but that doesn't mean they're not right. And so a few of the examples that had really big consequences where I knew that I just had to trust my intuition was this time last year. So towards the end of 2022, my family was planning a holiday to Thailand. And we was we talking about it for years. It was our first sort of big holiday after COVID. Very excited to take the kids to Asia. And then that little voice in my head, or that little feeling in my body said, I think you need to take everybody back to Norway. And I, earlier that year, my husband and daughter, we go to a specialist health clinic in Norway, which seems quite extreme, but we've got a range of health challenges. And we have certainly found that where conventional medicine ends, that sometimes you need a different alternative. And this clinic has been life-changing. And even though my husband and one daughter had been, there was something in me that said, we all have to go. And it didn't make any sense at all. I remember telling Jacqueline, it's like, what? I was in the process of selling my house. Didn't know if I was going to sell it. Hadn't bought another house. We'd paid for Thailand. Literally this happened two days after we paid everything for Thailand. And my husband's gone, what do you mean 
we need to go to Norway (laughs) with this look of despondent, like, what do you mean? And I said, I feel like we need to go. And uh, my husband knows me well enough now. He said to me, is this one of those feelings or is this one of those feelings, feelings you've got? And I said, and what do you mean by that? He said, you get a certain feeling and you're not going to, you're not going to rest until it comes to life. And I said, it's one of those. He's like, oh, I guess I'll call the agent in the morning because he knows. But this is something that was really challenged me because it didn't make any sense. The timing was terrible. When I told my parents, like, are you sure? For about a month, they kept saying to me, this really doesn't make any sense. This isn't a very responsible thing to do. Are you sure you're not biting off more than you can chew? But there was something in me that said, I have to get my family to this clinic. And it was life-changing. So many things have shifted since then for the better. And if I'd have ignored that voice, which is what I used to do, there always would have been something nagging in me. There would have been a what if. And it didn't make sense and it cost us money and the timing was inconvenient. But that was one of the big, beautiful examples of where I have trusted that gut to say, you know what, this is this this feeling is here for a reason. And so there's many, many more examples I can give you, but that learning to trust it and finding evidence of the, of what happens, the good things happen when I trust it. This is something I know, Jacqueline, you've had experiences in this realm as well, you know, learning to, to trust your intuition and learning to trust your body in all facets of life. How, uh, how have you also learned this lesson over the last year? Oh, gosh, in the last year, I think for me in the past year, the biggest thing has been around motherhood, actually, and which ironically for someone who you know, my work is really in, in helping others to connect to their bodies and, and trust what their body's sharing with them. And I was just confronted with a whole other level of my ability to do that through through motherhood. So before I became a mother, I think I could listen, tune into my body and trust it really well. Um, but I was surprised to find that with my son, I wasn't trusting it as well with him um, and, and like trusting my own body and what felt right to do with him or trusting his body and what he needed as a baby. I think there's, for me, there was so much contradictory information out there that, um, and I was so scared to make a mistake with him that I was just so stuck in my head. So, so I finally, I really wrestled with that. I would say for the majority of the first year of his life, to be really honest, and, and then of course I would judge myself for, for struggling with it. Cause I'm like, what kind of an expert am I, if I'm struggling so hard with this, but that we, we tend to have work where in the place that we wrestle with ourselves <laughs> is what I've learned. So, um, it's the place we're learning to master things. Right. And that's what makes us so good at teaching others how to do it too. Um, so I guess I was due for another up leveling of my capacity to, to trust my intuition and trust my body. So I was handed that with this this new motherhood journey. So eventually I just decided that the thing I wanted most was to enjoy being a mother more than I wanted to quote unquote, get it right. And that that's the shift I needed to start trusting my body and his body more because I 
yeah, I just decided that it was more important for me to enjoy it. And I wasn't enjoying motherhood as much as I wanted to be because I was trying to get it right. And it was stressing me out and put my poor husband too. <laughs> and probably my baby for that matter. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess what I would say is that at the end of the day, if you're struggling to trust your intuition because you're stuck in your head trying to get things right, that's a powerful question you can ask yourself is, am I more interested in getting this right? Or am I more interested in actually enjoying whatever the circumstance may be, whether it's motherhood or your job or whatever relationship you might be looking at. Um, yeah, that was the game changer for me. Absolutely. And what I have found really interesting over this journey is that many of us have that intuition now and often it's the first thing that comes to mind, but then we squash it with logic and reasoning and it doesn't make sense. But if I look back on my life, all the times that I have followed that voice and that voice usually has, or well, that feeling, that knowing has has usually been around big decisions, like decisions to sell houses or decisions to relocate. Even the decision to hire you was like, oh, Jacqueline's just dropped in my lap. Can I trust this? Because I should really be putting out an ad and there's all these things that I should be doing. And when it lands easily, it can be very easy to question that. And it's again, leaning into that into that intuitive hit that actually, no, you're good. Just keep going one foot in front of the other. But what has for me over the last year has become so, I'd say profound and beautiful is that as you trust your intuition on so many levels, the rewards are so much greater. The speed with which you can make decisions and the knowing you have in those decisions, you don't second guess them, you don't go back on them. And even if it didn't end up being the right decision, when you've got this deep inner knowing that it was the right one, well, then you now get to make a different decision rather than being paralyzed. And that was one thing early on in my career was really hard for me was making a decision about, is this finished? And I'd be like, oh, kind of, but it's not perfect. And I, I probably should make it a bit better. And so I would just swim around in my head instead of having access to that gut that says, done, go. This decision, move. And especially as a business owner, well, anybody, you know, we, we, we have thousands of decisions we have to make in a day. When you get that link back, life becomes so much more enjoyable. So that's been one of my big learnings and one that I will continue to foster because it's only brought me good things in life, in business, in friendships, everything. So that's mine. Jacqueline, what would you say? I know you shared yours about motherhood, but what has been your one of your big learnings? For the last year? Mm. One of my big learnings um, is the power of community and having that solidarity, accountability, and the personal growth journey. I mean, I suppose I've been learning that for more than just the past year, but it was especially amplified, I think, also in witnessing the participants in the Blissful Foundations course. So just reinforces the underestimated need to to walk with others when you're in a big journey, when you're in a big journey of transformation or change. Um, I think as ambitious women, we try to do a lot by ourselves and we actually succeed quite well at doing a lot by ourselves. And so, so why not do the personal development thing alone too? Because I know that I can count on myself and can I trust other people? Do I even need other people? I can, you know, there's all these 
really kind of compelling arguments that our our brain likes to have. But at the end of the day, the the solidarity, the community, the people walking with you is is really an act of kindness towards self. And I think that might be the most surprising thing because it might, you know, the obvious thing is, you know, of course, you know, when I'm with other people, there's a accountability and there's momentum and that's kind of more obvious and it's, it's really helpful. But I think the, the gifting yourself th- that journey with other people and not having to do something alone, um, when life is a lot and already that I think that's such an act of self-kindness and I've seen participants it's one of my favorite shifts I think is when they become just more kinder towards themselves um so yeah I'm offering this out there to those listening that to consider that having community having solidarity beyond the obvious accountability and momentum of that is is the kindness that you deserve to not be alone yeah Mm. we see that so much don't we where so many women who come into our world and I know you and I even personally have found this getting other women who get you is really hard where there is no judgment where you are available to be yourself so many of us are longing for that feminine connection or that sisterhood and there's a deep longing inside us but we just shove it down and say, no, I don't need it. I'll be fine. They're just going to judge me anyway. We, we see that often, don't we? Even through our retreats and all the work we do, there's real longing for community, for a community of women. Absolutely. Yep. I don't, yet I think most people don't even know they are longing for that, which is why it's kind of the surprising thing, right? That, that you discover along the way. But it's, I like to think of it as like an essential vitamin or nutrient that we've become divorced or separated from somehow along the way through society and the competition we have amongst other women or this kind of hustle hard achievement based society that you know has this kind of like lone wolf thing mode yeah modus operandi around it so yeah it's almost radical to to investing in community that is like-minded. So I think that's really special. It's radical, but it's what the real trailblazers do, isn't it? If you can't find it yourself, you invest to get it. And that's what you and I, on both our personal development journeys have been, well, can't find them. So I'm going to pay to be part of a container that gets me them. And then I'm guaranteed that they're going to be there and they all want to be there. And there's no, I'm too busy or I'm too this. That's how we get access to people that fuel our growth. That's right. Well, that's your first one. Why don't I share one of my other learnings? And it's no surprise that as somebody who has started a business, the business mirrors me. So whatever I'm experiencing, we see very quickly. And obviously Jacqueline's one of us. So typically what we're going through, I have learned in time that there is a three to six month time frame of things that I'm going through personally, then start to come up in the community, which is why as leaders, we go first. This is our job. And There's a a term I heard recently, which I thought was so brilliant. And it's one that we are seeing come up time and time again in our community. It's one I can be guilty of. And it's this term, toxic positivity. And this generally means that we, we almost beat ourselves up because we have to be positive. It's like, no, everything's fine. I should be fine. Everything's great. I have no reason to complain. 
and we use the positivity and the good things that we do have in our lives because most people who are in our world are, you know, things have, have changed of late, cost of living pressures have risen, but they are not eating baked beans. They are relatively financially secure. They have good jobs. They are very employable. They have good relationships. They tend to have good health. And so it's very easy to fall into the trap of, well, there's, there's nothing wrong with me. I should be grateful. I should be fine. And this becomes like something we can shove down our throats and it stops us giving permission to actually deal with what is there. So to deal with any frustration that we may have, well, what right do I have to be frustrated? Because, you know, there's other people who've gone through so much worse things than I have, or people who have often call it you know, sort of healthy family trauma. It's almost like, well, I didn't have any trauma as a child. And so therefore I almost feel traumatized because I have nothing. What's wrong with me? Why do I have all these things going on when I, I had a happy childhood? So I, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. And we try to convince ourselves that that is the case when it dishonors our human experience of frustration and shame and guilt and the full spectrum of human emotions, which we all carry. So I found this a, a really fascinating one. And uh, Jacqueline, I know you see it too in all the, the coaching calls where it can be very easy for someone to slap a, well, I should be grateful. I have nothing to complain about. And it can be really damaging if we're not careful, can't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, oh gosh, it's, it's empowering to be grateful and to, you know, intentionally cultivate what is working and, and, uh, amplifying that. And, you know, the reality is that we also have other experiences of life where we're challenged, where we might be grieving something, the loss of someone or loss of something or, we might be angry about something or frustrated because we weren't heard or honored in a certain way that we should have should have been heard or honored. So these are all really valid parts of the human experience. And if we try to gloss it over the frustration and look on the bright side or the same thing with the grief, you know, trying to look on the bright side or, you know, always looking for the silver lining without giving the grief or the anger their due, um, what ends up happening is that remains in the nervous system as unprocessed emotion, which causes disease uh, in the future, um, right? Lack, a lack of ease or disease, you could call it, right? So, um, so yeah, I, it's also called bypassing in the spiritual circles when you when you end up, you know, just focusing on the positive and the the higher frequency emotions they call it versus the the negative low vibe ones of, you know, like grief or anger. But uh, personally, I'm not a party to, to that perspective because I have immense respect and I hold the whole human experience as sacred. So um, for me personally, I think, I think that allowing for the range of anger, which is another way of thinking of anger is like it's passion, it's, it's life force, it's your yes, it's your no, that's your voice. So bypassing your anger to look on the bright side is bypassing your life force and your yes, bypassing your no, bypassing what's true for you, where there might be a boundary for you. So that's important to regard. And 
same with grief, right? It's it's appropriate to actually hold space for those kind of deeper emotions, even if they're uncomfortable or they don't have us feeling happy per se. Um, grief, I've found a lot of time in grief, there's a lot of gratitude to be had in, on the other side of grief when we let ourselves go there and have that the deep mourning in our hearts for whatever that is. So I guess I have a lot to say about this, Joe, but <laughs> I would say <laughs> I am I, all for, you know, positivity and empowering beliefs and focusing on gratitude and what's working. And I'm all for having the full range of the human experience and that there's power inside of your grief and there's power inside of your anger. Yeah. And that's positive too, isn't it? So <laughs> that's how I see it. It is, it is. But I guess we, we've, you know, everybody's upbringing has been different. And certainly in my house, it, there was not a huge amount of emotion ever really shown. It was my dad's English and my mum's Australian, but, you know, it wasn't a warm and fuzzy household. It wasn't necessarily an angry household. It wasn't a sad household. It was just a neutral household, if you will. There was maybe the odd bit of excitement over a cricket match or a soccer match or something like that where, you know, dad got a bit animated, but my parents never raised their voices. And so in some ways, and I know many people who come into our world have similar upbringings where, and that that's partly generational too, where the full gamut of human expression was not actively encouraged. And so we latch on to this, everything's rosy, everything's fine. My, uh, my, my great auntie Barbara used to say, mustn't grumble. It's a very English thing. Mustn't grumble, mustn't grumble. So if anything, mustn't grumble, don't talk about it. Just sweep it under the rug and it will all be fine. Let's focus on over here. Look at these rainbows. Look how these positive this is. This is so wonderful. And that becomes ingrained into our nervous system. And I know a lot of my journey has been learning to feel some of those more disempowering or, or you might call them negative emotions like the shame or the guilt or the frustration and learn to process them without fear that that damn wall is going to burst and you are never going to get it back up. So we see this all the time where there's this great fear of if I actually let these emotions out, if I actually grieve that, you know, the child I didn't have or that job that I lost or that redundancy or or, you know, and certainly I know my journey has been, I've often grieved not things that I've lost, but I've had to grieve the things that might have been. So it's future projected grief on something that never materialized, a relationship that could have been this way, or a job that could have been this way, or a team that could have happened. And then you make a different decision. And there's grief there because you thought this was going to happen and it's now not. And actually sitting with that and processing that has been an absolute game changer. So you mentioned, Jacqueline, letting it out through the body. My stress levels, even despite you know a busy life, since I've learned to do this, have become so much lower because I'm not holding on to all this stuff and building it up. And we call this one of your favorite words. What happens, Jacqueline, when we build up all this disease in our body? Oh, we become emotionally constipated. <laughs> so... That's no fun for anyone, right? No one wants to be constipated with anything, including emotions. So yeah, it's important to a regular cleansing. And that could look like journaling. It doesn't have to be a, this necessarily a big outwardly emotional experience. It could be just vomiting it all out on paper. It could it could be it could be more overtly external, like, you know, pounding on a pillow and screaming into a pillow or sh- um, going in the shower and and having a good sob. So there's and it, 
it might feel like it brings you to your knees for a minute sometimes if that's if that's how big the emotion is. Um, but in my experience, even when I'm brought to my knees, I find more power there. So it feels like this thing that's going to decimate you and take you out forever and ever. But it, I don't know, not my experience. Usually it's just like, whoo, that was intense. And now I feel more peaceful and powerful because I feel free from that, like fresh, so to speak. So, and it almost feels like there's a clean slate now going forward in that circumstance that I was grieving or angry about or whatever it is. So more possibility. I can see things are more possible. I I feel more optimistic. So for a temporary rendering to my knees, the the benefits, I, I feel like outweigh that. Isn't it ironic that feeling the so-called negative emotions can actually help you be more positive? <laughs> As you said, right, you get cleaned out and then you get to now actually be really positive as opposed to positive through your teeth and just shoving everything that's threatening to burst out of your cupboard, stay there, put it on a lock and no, everything's great. Yep. So all the calmness or the joy that people are seeking and wondering why they can't access it. The calmness and the joy you're seeking is on the other side of just letting yourself have the emotions you have and letting them move through you, you know, regularly um, without, and I'll let the last caveat, cause it's, we could go into a whole other podcast episode, but without getting stuck in any stories, right? The easy thing is to dive into the emotion and then get stuck weaving this whole, you know, sob story or angry tirade. Um, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about vomiting all, all out um, or, you know, having the cry or having the temper tantrum to get it out, not to uh, belabor this story and weave this narrative about how you were so wronged or how much sadness you have. It's it's letting it be there and moving it through without clinging to it as like this whole new identity you get to take on and like wear around like a badge, which some people do, um, that causes more suffering. So being mindful of of this exercise that we're talking about, it has the intention of clearing out, not, not extending the narrative. Mm-hmm. We don't need to swim in any more of that suffering, do we? We do it enough to ourselves anyway. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, there you have it, guys. There are three of our top six lessons for the year. So two of mine have been learning to trust my intuition and avoiding toxic positivity. And for Jacqueline, it's been really around this power of community and solidarity. And, and when we are walking this path of personal development, of growth, if you are alone, it can be a very, very lonely path. So make sure you come back next week, next episode, where we'll be sharing our remaining three and what we have learned in 2023. See you then. Thanks for joining us today on the Balance and Beyond podcast. We're so glad you carved out this time for yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who might need to hear this today. And if you're feeling extra generous, leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice would mean the world to us. If you're keen to dive deeper into our world, visit balanceinstitute.com to discover more about the toolkit that has helped thousands of women avoid burnout and create a life of balance and beyond. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the Balance and Beyond podcast.